Hey, Fab here. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening again. Uh, before we jump into this week's episode, I uh, I wanted to know. I don't know if you've heard, uh, but uh, Paul and I are launching something super fun, super amazing, super useful for you. Um, we are launching an exclusive sales and marketing community, um, and best of all, it's free. Uh, and you don't need to download any apps or log into any platforms. All you need to do is send us a text message at 438-601-1595. That's it. Just send us a text message and you'll be able to chat with us directly. Uh, we'll probably, we, we have a ton of really fun ideas like sharing some exclusive content uh, and things like that to that community as well. So if you're looking to dive a little deeper in sales and marketing you even get your specific individual questions answered by one of us. Uh, this is the place to do it. Um, doesn't get better than that. Free sales and marketing advice uh, and exclusive content. So once again, just text us at 438-601-1595. Thanks for that and enjoy the show. Today, Paul and I are going to dive a little deeper on the ideal composition of sales and marketing teams. We're building the ideal composition. Amazing. See you in a bit. Here we go. All right. Here we go. You ready, Paul? I certainly am. That was a new approach to things. <laughs> I like the new approach. By What's the that? way, everyone, I found out about the new approach about 30 seconds ago. Yes. On me last minute. I keep you on your toes, Paul. I have to be nimble. <laughs> All right. So, so, so this is something that uh, not necessarily that I hear about because people don't ask me about uh, marketing team, uh, sales teams, but uh, it's something that I see going around a lot. Um, obviously, a lot. I hear a lot of questions about you know, like what a marketing team should look like. I've I've been in a lot of marketing teams. I've structured a lot of marketing teams. Uh, so I thought it'd be an interesting discussion. Um, but let's get started with you. What's uh, how how should we think about this your sales team? How how as a business leader, sales leader, whatever, should I think about the sales team and its structure? Well, it's a really interesting question, and it's it, I think there's a variety of honestly, I think there's no set team or pre-programmed team that you should build, but I do think that there's some questions you need to ask yourself before you build your team, right? Mm. And that's where I would say the first thing you need to ask yourself is how much inbound do I want, right? Mm -hmm. Or how much inbound am I going to get and how much yeah. outbound do I want to do? Right. Right. So that's if, if once I've answered that question, let's assume it's outbound. Most people who start a new company have to do outbound. It's very rare that you can just live off the inbound unless you're really lucky. But yeah. Uh, and then usually you, you need to start by saying, what kind of prospecting is this person or these people are going to do? And do they need to be on the road or do they need to be sitting in the office? Right. So obviously during COVID, most of the stuff's in the office, even if you're eventually going to be on the road. But yeah. there are people out there doing stuff. So that's your first question. That's your first question you need to ask yourself. Um, but before I go into a long diatribe of, discussing let's talk a little bit about marketing because i'm curious and then we can 
bounce back and forth. Yeah, I mean, I, and I like how you set it up because the reality is is true. There is kind of this inbound versus well, versus it's probably not the right word, but inbound and outbound. And you're right when you're starting things out, you know, you're very dependent on the outbound. Um, what I would say for the marketing team, I, the way I, I normally see it is, and maybe I'm oversimplifying, but there's two types of companies, right? There's kind of the smaller, this organic growth company, you know, there's like five, 10, 20 people working there and you're just growing organically and, and this and that. And then there's kind of these high growth companies. Usually they tend to be venture backed. So they have, or investment backed. So they have external investments so they can fund their growth beyond the revenue that, that they're actually producing. And I think those two types of companies need different types of marketing team. So I think the first set, like let's say that the smaller organic growth one should invest mainly in content. I think, you know, like ultimately, because that's what you want to drive, right? That you want to help your salespeople at the end of the day, either driving new leads, but also just getting the, getting recognized and, and in, in these days, like these days, the way to do that is with content, right? Like, I mean, and, um, and whatnot. so I think, it, you know, you're probably going to end up with a smaller team, obviously. Sorry, question. Yeah. Doesn't that really, doesn't the properties of what you're selling make a huge difference there? Because I, look, I, I, I hate to do this, but I, I, I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> um, Let's say you've got a really simple product. It's like a widget. Like, are you really going to focus on content? Let's say, I don't know, if I'm selling this revolutionary battery, am I going to like start writing a bunch of content? I can understand in the service world or in a complex product, right? Yeah. You're going to focus more on content. But wouldn't there be that exception? Like, okay, Bob, I've invented this widget that helps you, you know, clean your ears, you know, or super simple, you know, or, yeah. or, or even. even yeah, those are the best examples. No, but even that that thing we we're talking about there, the don't touch your face thing. So it's super simple. Yeah. Are you really going to start writing a bunch of content on that, or are you just going to? Well, it, it depends what you're. It depends what you're trying to do, right? Um, if you want to build something sustained, I mean, obviously, there's then there's all the 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 math that goes behind it, right? Like, can you afford like even a marketing team and this and that, right? Like, there's there are some are so there are some considerations, but it depends what you're trying to build. Even if you're doing an organic, a slow organic growth company, like, do you want to build something more long term? And if it is, well, you do need to invest in some content, right? Like, even if you're just doing, let's say, a revolutionary Q-tip, and people can buy one at a time, and they're a cent a Q-tip, you know, like, obviously, you have to make the math work at the end of the day, right? But are you trying to build like something, okay, whatever, and then get distributed and hope for that, or are you trying to build long term something sustainable? I'm guessing it's more. I'm talking more to people that are looking to build something long-term. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You, you're not talking like the, the overnight guys who just want to make a quick buck and get out. I mean, right. I, man, we're not talking about that. So, and I mean, I know this is not the same exact, you know, price range, but if you look at a lot, a lot of these companies, like we're, I'm shopping for mattresses now. So a lot of these online companies, you know, they're investing a lot of money in content because, well, that's what they're trying to do, right? Like they're trying to build this long-term, uh, you know, relationship and they're trying to, to build value in this and that. And you know, who's not out there, all these traditional manufacturers, like um, mattress manufacturers, right? And so, so but surely they're, they're kind of getting pushed out of the consumers. So you're talking about, so for example, that's, that's a good example. Actually, I really like that example. So 
I know there's this brand of mattress that they, they deliver to your house and they roll it up. I don't know if you probably yeah. There's Casper, yeah. there's ND, there's a few of them that yeah, and and they they you're right. They're creating a lot of content. So, okay, so the first thing you're saying is what I should do is my marketing person needs to help me create that content and put it out there. So are you looking for a writer? Like, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a marketing person? You're looking for a copywriter? Like, what is it? I think you, ideally you want like a marketing person that has some inclinations for certain types of content production, I should say. So you don't want necessarily somebody who's just going to do content because you are a small team. You're probably going to need to do a few things once in a while. You're going to go to a trade show eventually, or you're going to do a trade show. And you need to have somebody who, but you need to have somebody who is content focused. You know what I mean? And so what type of content? I think there depends, and we talked about this in some of the earlier episodes, based on what you're comfortable with, right? Like, so if you're somebody, and like recently I, I spoke with somebody that we both know who, you know, is not comfortable being on air in front of the camera, right? So I wouldn't hire somebody who's, inclination is to do you know live video and this and that right because it's not going to mesh with you you're, you're not going to be able to produce the content so in, in somebody like that i'd probably maybe do somebody more a writer somebody who's like a strong writer and and so on and so forth but somebody who's more comfortable with video stuff too is the person that you're hiring that first person obviously has to match your personality but i would have had the opposite instinct i would have said well if i'm really shy to be to be doing live content Shouldn't I get someone who is good at that? Because then they can be that part of the business. Yeah, I'm going with the optic that ultimately the owner is going to be the face of the company, uh, just because, you know, marketers can come and go. And even though sometimes in smaller companies, there's there's maybe a bit more of a rapport and maybe less of a turnover. Again, just a broad generalization. Um, so I would say get somebody that will allow you as a business owner to step up, step up and, and be the face of the company. Okay. All right. I, I like that. It's interesting. And you know, it's interesting because sales wise, let's assume for a second that you need to be outbound. What you really need to do is get a go-getter who understands your product, who's going to open some doors, right? And who's right. going to be able to bring the, the business in. And you probably need someone who can do the full, the full gamut of what is considered sales. So from, uh, uh, opening the door to closing, to account management, to account growth, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, somebody can do it all. So, you know, you're not, you're not going to suddenly, um, unless you have billions of dollars, you know, create this standalone company and go hire the salespeople and hire the account managers and everything. But yeah, usually, you know, most companies start with uh, when they need sales or outbound sales, they start with a, a salesperson um, who is going to be able to um, bring in the business and, and manage the whole thing. What really becomes difficult is when you're, you know, there, there's two hard steps, right? The, the, the yeah. first hard step is when you're going from yourself as a salesperson. To <laughs> and then the second hard step is usually when you stop being the sales manager to your own company. That's mm -hmm. a tough step too, when you're handing off the keys to someone else. That's yeah. A step because now you're saying, I'm, 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 yes, I'm, I'm manufacturing and producing, or I'm even delivering in certain cases. Now I'm handing off the sales to someone who I've hired who's going to be taking care of my salespeople. So that's a second hard step. And I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any formula fab as far as like, do I need two, three, four, you know, because what happens is you're going to see as the demand grows, how many more salespeople are you going to need? And you might eventually, if you've got a complex product that requires 
servicing or back end, you know, growth management. Well, you might have some people on the road and then some people who are account managing, whatnot. So it, it really, honestly, it, it, it depends on so many things. But, you know, right. people say, hey, Paul, I've got a company, uh, $100 million, you know, a year in revenue. How many salespeople should I have? Like, it depends. it depends on your margins. It depends on on your sales skill, yeah. uh, you know, a bazillion different things. Yeah. And the goal here isn't to say like you need like six, seven, you know, six salespeople if you have this much revenue. I think it's just, I think it's more of a, let's call it a framework in terms of what you need to think about. And and there's an article that I that I landed on earlier this week, which, you know, granted is a little self-serving. I mean, I didn't write it, but it's a little self-serving, which is a value of outsourcing to consultants and freelancers. And it was really, it's really interesting because, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I have to admit, I was guilty of that too when I was working in a business that like, oh, like freelancers and consultants never have, you know, the same level of engagement with your company that an employee will have. But this article, and this is like somebody prominent, you know, who's, who's launched very successful businesses and, and whatnot. And he said like, he, he believed in that wholly and he hired all these teams and, and like the onboarding costs are expensive and this and that. And I think, you know, the rule of thumb is uh, rule of thumb that he was suggesting is that once you have something that's your core, let's say in marketing is producing content, right? I want to write my own blog post because the this is what's going to differentiate us from from our competition, or I want to create our videos or whatnot. Anything that's kind of outside the core, you could you should seriously think about outsourcing. And you know, for in sales, for example, can you outsource the prospecting part? Right? There's a lot of like uh, not telecommunications, like uh, Whatever. Telemarketing. Telemarketing companies out there that, you know, can offer the same services. And so does it make sense to hire somebody to do the telemarketing? Or should you hire maybe yes, you want maybe somebody who's a bit more able to cover the whole gamut of the well, whole that's very interesting, Fab, because again, it really depends on your business, right? Um, yeah. So if you have a simple product that you're getting out there and you're cold calling and you can train someone in about a half a day on 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 the virtues of your product. And they're a good salesperson, then you can hire an out an outsourced, uh, um, you know, someone who's going to be uh, doing that that telemarketing for you. But it's it's very, it's actually a really interesting, um, it's a really un- interesting concept to say, well, what's the framework that I need to look at to build the right sales team? And I'll be honest with you, usually when I've done that in the past, it's very much like hands on. I see, I look at the margins. I look at the sales, I look at the projections, and then I look at the territories, and I look at how aggressive we want to be in growing, right? Mm. So I'm helping my clients de- decide on, 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 and usually you're going in small tranches, you know, you're not adding a whole team. You're, right. I've done that once, actually, where I added a, actually a whole team within a year. Um, it was a larger company, but, you know, we went for it, boom, we added the whole team. And we had success, but we had to look at all that, like margins, expectations. What are our KPIs going to be like at first? Um, and it was a large company. We knew it was an investment. Right. We knew it wouldn't be profitable for a year or two. And it, you know, right. it, it got there, but it took a while. So, so it's a very different approach than if you're a small, a smaller company that needs to sort of, you know, build, sell, grow, build, sell, grow, build, sell, grow, build, sell, grow. You know what I mean? To a point where, okay, then I am where I am. So. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a very, um, ultimately you're doing the same thing, but you're doing it maybe in a much more rapid process. And you say, okay, we're opening this wing. We have this huge investment. 
we know it's going to take uh, six months to a year to get the 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 you know the business going, but we're willing to make that investment. You're taking more risk, but then maybe the reward can be greater too, right? Right, and and that brings me to to kind of these larger organizations or you know high growth organizations, and I think there obviously marketing becomes a bit more complex. You know, I think for for the smaller business, you kind of know that your marketing is working, right? Like you start getting asked invited on other people's podcasts or, you know, you get covered in the, the local media, uh, you know, your salespeople are saying it's, it's getting easier to, to, to get people to pick up the phone, stuff like that. That's kind of those are kind of these high level indications that your marketing is working and you're a small organization and that's probably enough for you at that point. Uh, I think a large organization needs to get or a high growth organization needs to get a little bit more uh, sophisticated. And, and honestly, this is something that you know, I, I was listening up on listening a few things and it, it really challenged my thinking. And I think um, I think there I would start probably more with the analytics person, uh, which is really con contrary to what a lot of marketing people focus on. Uh, they're like, oh, the content and the social and the ads and the this. But I think if you are strong with your whole you know, marketing process and how you're going to measure it and, and like your reporting and your this and that, I, I would put a lot of emphasis on that first before going to the product marketing and the content and, and so on and so forth, because you get to remove a lot of the guesswork out of the equation and you get to work on your data when you already, when you have limited data to start with, right? It's a lot harder to go and clean up like hundreds of thousands of contacts and all their data than, than it is when you're first starting out. So yeah, you're just saying, so clean up, have, have an analytics person there to clean up and, and have building blocks to grow from. Make right, sure so you know, like, okay, this is how we're going to measure it, or, you know, this podcast, like, how are we going to measure the success of our podcast and so on? And so you need, like, somebody who's, like, kind of dedicated to this yeah. operations yeah. and yeah. analytics. Very, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting point of view. Um, and I think, honestly, Fab, I think it's a little bit simpler when you're building the sales team, right? Okay. The metrics are the metrics you're looking at are margin, desired growth, um, and how am I going to gauge these people? And yeah. It's a little. It's it's a. It's it's you know, sales is probably one of the jobs that is the easiest to know if the person's doing a good job or not. Right. So it's not. Um, I haven't often heard in my career someone say, "Oh, I'm not sure." If I'm building, if I'm taking the right approach to building my sales team, usually it's I don't know if my sales team's maximizing its efficiency. Mm. Um, so, so it, it's generally that. But I could see, like, you know, in, in marketing, you know, do I hire one, two, or three people? What do they do at first? I mean, sales is like the first person. Like, go out and sell. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. only thing that I would like maybe not not necessarily challenge you, but but ask you maybe oh, is challenge me. I love it. I <laughs> I I do encounter because like I do talk to like business owners who kind of oversee marketing and sales, and a lot of time they're like, uh, and I spoke to somebody last week. I think that I was telling you about you know like their sales reporting is all off and they don't know what's working. They're like, yeah, there's deals coming in, but they don't know what's happening. Um, like. Is it that the reps are being performant? Is it that the industry all of a sudden is hot for them? Yeah. Is it that there? But there, it's not. Do we need or do we not need sales? Is like I don't know if it's the fact that they're paddling that works, or the fact they're kicking their feet, or if they're on a longboat. But I know they're going in the right direction. And right. I, you know what I mean? So 
it, it becomes more that's where you might not have analyzed the data and you might do some tweaking but usually you know well hey this you know this salesperson this girl that i just hired you know three months ago is doing gangbusters and bringing in a ton of deals i might not have all the analytics i'd like but i have a damn good feeling that she's bringing that in now that's a whole other building the structure to understand your sales and the questions you should be asking yourself now there's a real strategy right that you need to really understand understanding the size of your team at first i think is important but i think what's much more important is like what are my kpis going to be what are my objectives what am i trying to do how am i going to you know what margins am i hoping to get what are they going to sell how you know that's a whole other ball of wax <laughs> you're right and i i think what i was trying to go to i think like this like this data person that marketing would would potentially hire if again if you're a larger organization i think would be somebody that that could potentially help you structure like your crm and and, and your not 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 build your sales process because obviously they're not a salesperson but are is your crm going to be set up to be able to then measure what you need to measure at each stage of your sales process yeah I mean, I we're talking about larger organizations, right? Like organizations that we know there's going to be a lot of growth, there's going to be a lot of numbers coming in, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and often in large organizations, it it's the other way around. Like, you, there's so many people involved that it's hard to establish what works and what doesn't work. And yeah. I've many large organizations that done readjustments that they were sure would make a difference, and you know, brought on by the uh, the the bean counters. <laughs> that had disastrous effects, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I've been in other companies where they've done, you know, spectacular things and reorganized and it's been wonderful. Yeah. Um, so uh, absolutely. So yeah. I, yeah, so it's an, it's, it's an, it's an interesting, um, it's a, an interesting conundrum. What we're really saying is you need to hire a, a sales consultant or a marketing consultant to make sure you're growing the right way. <laughs> yeah. And, th and that's what I, that's what I was alluding to with that article that I read is like, fine, let's say you're in marketing and you're like, okay, we're going to be high growth. So we're going to invest in data and analytics to start with before we do a lot of campaigns and stuff like that. Um, that's good. But then let's say like you, you might want to use a, you might want to, maybe you're, you can't just justify that salary. You might want to hire a consultant to help you set up your first, your first basis or like with you, we just talked about, right? Fine. I have like the person who understands the CRM in terms of the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, but I still need to build my sales process. I'm not, I'm not ready to hire a sales leader, like a VP of sales right now, who's going to build everything. I'm going to go with a consultant that can help me structure it yeah. or can help the sales manager focus more on coaching and less on how's my sales process set up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, have you seen like, you know, are there, um, have you seen do you tend to see a lot of companies that have salespeople that run the gamut from like you know prospecting to closing to maybe even re-engaging you know like and, and upselling and whatnot or do you tend to see a lot of uh, disconnected roles no in, in, in large companies well i've seen both i've seen uh companies where you have uh, you know prospectors and in account managers and or farmers and, and and i've seen companies large companies where people do everything um, yeah. And it's interesting because people often want to subdivide to get more efficiency. And if you do it well, it can be really good. Um, yeah. But most people have a hard time doing it and it's a little clunky and, you know, you're 
your people that are account managing might not be in the right seats and, and it's, it's, it's difficult to, you need to evaluate them and also see what their desire is. It's not because you're good at account management that you necessarily want to do it. Um, so, so I believe that they're, they're, but I have seen both and both can work. Um, you just need to see what fits best uh, for your, your environment. And it's also a matter of culture. Right? Mm -hmm. um, I've seen a few companies like in the logistics business that, you know, have what they call cradle to grave, right? So right. you have um, a logistics transportation business and, and they'll do everything from A to Z and it works for them. And other companies say, no, we split it up. Um, we have a team, you know, one person sells, one person manages the account, uh, you know, another person takes care of other stuff and, and it, it all works together. So it's like one big team rather than having a little team that stays with them all along. And it depends on the clients. It depends what you're looking for. It depends on, on a whole whack of things. Um, and I think both can be good. You know, it's sort of like saying, uh, do you prefer a station wagon, a pickup or, uh, you know, a race car? Well, it really depends what you're trying to do. <laughs> so do you, have you noticed like sign of when one type of organization fits better than the other or, or not? Well, you know, in large organizations, where the client has many touch points or has to have many touch points often having specialists at each level is important but it can also go the other way because if they feel if your customer feels they're being lost in the in the jungle because they're touching a lot of they have a lot of different touch points but ideally if you have a specialist at every level it's probably the best thing but you need to make sure you have a cohesive team that understands the nature of the clients right right um you know and, and i think a perfect example is when you call for your telecom services, you know, as an individual, often we'll talk to five people and you have to repeat the same story five times. Well, that's, maybe it has to be that way because it's they're, they're such large organizations, but as a client, what you want usually is, I want to talk to my go-to person who's going to know everything about me. Now, if you have a go-to team, that can work, but usually people are looking for a go-to person. Like if you ask any client, not a company, but any client, you say, what would you prefer to have one touch point person who knows everything or has access to it? You'd say, yeah, because it's like my person on the inside, right? Yeah. They're my contact. And some companies do that really well. Hmm. And some companies don't do that so well. So it, it, it depends on your culture and how you're trying to grow. And sometimes companies in the same field do it very differently from one to the other. And some right. clients prefer this way and some clients prefer that way. So it, it, it's, um, I've, seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of structures that work well. And I've seen a lot of structures that don't work well. And let's say, let's be honest, they all have their 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 plus and their minuses, you know? Right. Having a team means that you always have someone to talk to, but sometimes having a team means, well, there's no expert, <laughs> there's no expert who knows everything about my business, right? I have right. to explain myself a lot. So it's, it's a tough call. It's something you need to look at. But what I will say is when a company, large or small, makes their decision based on what's best for them, yeah. For the clients, usually it's headed for failure. And that's really interesting, right? That it's, I think the answer lies in what's best for the client. Because um, you're right, the client might not want like a cradle to grave rep, you know, they want to be able to work with somebody who's able to dive dig deep into their account, whilst the other person's just on the road, well, virtual road, uh, trying to try to meet different people and sign new clients. And so I think that I think you said it. I think what's better for my client at the end of the day. Yeah. Now, not to be confused with Sir Richard Branson's statement, which I totally agree upon, 
in large companies, if you take care of your employees, they'll take care of your clients, right? Right. Well, you need to take care of the employees. You need to give them a good working environment. They need to be happy. So it doesn't mean that taking care of the client at, at the peril of your own employees. It means taking care of your clients and giving the tools to your employees to take care of them correctly. So, and they're in parallel, right? You can take care of, you have to take care absolutely. of your employees. That, that solves a big part of the problem. But at the same time, let's say, you know, you have a software and you want your account manager fine to be able to help you and this and that. But then maybe you also want like some, you know, accounting specialists, if you're selling accounting software to be able to help you like more on a strategic level and, and maybe having one person do both makes no sense. And so for your customer, having two roles makes more sense, for example. Yeah. Absolutely, and uh, there's something we, we I'm not sure it's really part of the subject, but hey, we always goes off we always go off the subject. <laughs> I think what's really important too in larger companies, which I've seen fail miserably, and again I've seen be very successful, is your your marketing and your sales team need to be aligned. Now that's a really easy thing to say, right? Oh, they need to be aligned, or they need to be aligned. But what I mean by mean need to be aligned is they need to have the same objectives. Mm -hmm. They need to, if your marketing team says, well, my only objective is to get the word out there and sales is your thing, you know, and, and if they don't have the same common objective, and I'd even go to the extent of saying if they're not basically remunerated, similar objective, you're bound to failure. The parallel thing is there. They might not be working exactly together, but they have to have objectives that bring, you know, the objectives big so the parallel lines will end up at the same point because it's a big point. So mm -hmm. you're coming from different doors, but you're ending up at the same, at the same, uh, you know, meeting point. So that's important as well. And and again, if your company is a, you know a complex service company with some products, you know a complex you know building structure like some IT company that brings together a bunch of stuff, you need to make sure that your marketing, your sales are client focused, but that you as a, as a company owner are taking care of your people to make sure they are client focused. Mm -hmm. um, and there too, you know, I'm, I'll come back on track to our original discussion is how do I build my team? The first thing in building your team, and I think you'll agree with me is what's your vision? What's your mission? What are you doing for your client? And what are the first people that I need to build this thing properly? And I like what you said before. Okay. So you need to have clear data, you know, you might need a, a, an analytical person, but I'll challenge you on that. What if the owner, the guy who started the small company is analytical? Maybe right. his first marketing person is not analytical because he's the analytical guy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And obviously like when we're going back to like this idea of like the smaller, let's say the smaller organic growth type of enterprise company, um, you need, you need people to compensate you and help you in your mission. Right. I mean, not that you don't need that in a, in a high growth, organization with a high growth organization you're probably going to get a lot of quote unquote specialization very quickly right like the owner who is analytical yes but as soon as you hire the marketing team they're not going to be able to take care of marketing anymore right yeah. but a slower growth company that might never be the case the owner might not might always be very involved in in marketing yeah yeah and but that's to say like i completely agree like i think you know, like when you're talking about the composition of your marketing team, it has to be aligned with what sales is doing, right? And so it's nice as a marketer, you're like, it's nice to be able to say, you know what, I'm gonna have, hire like this massive content team and all we're gonna do is like content and it's gonna be like, well, a conversation we had not long ago, like SEO optimized and then we're gonna do videos for YouTube and different types and fine, 
but then the sales rep is like, well, yeah, but we need to generate revenue. And, and while branding is important and, and, and I agree in it, we also need to sit down together and make sure that we're heading in the right direction. And, and this is kind of tying it back to what you said at the beginning, which is like how much inbound versus in outbound are you going to need? Right. And if, if you have a revenue target and we know re sales can do a certain amount with outbound, well, the, the balance is inbound and, and how is marketing going to deliver on that? Yeah. 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 I, 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 listen, I, I think honestly it's easy for us to sit here and talk about it because honestly the, the implementation of this is usually a lot more complex, but I think a good rule of thumb is what am I trying to achieve? What do I bring to my client? And what are the things that could help me get there? You know? and, yeah. and and some people get that and some people don't, and some people fall upon it in a lucky way and they make it happen. And some people don't, you know, so it's, it's, there's, there's, there's some real, um, interesting questions to be asked there. Yeah. And, and you're totally right. I think like that's a good place to start is what am I trying to do? Yeah. Right? And, and not, I mean, you could look at inspiration from other companies, you know, like Salesforce is obviously one of the big ones that uh, pioneered or that popularized this idea of like having, you know, sales development people like prospectors kind of going out there and they, but that might not work for you, right? That worked for Salesforce for whatever reason, uh, but it might not work for you. And don't just, Oops. Sorry. What's that? My phone just started talking to me. I had this new ring doorbell. <laughs> when someone shows up, it just pops up. So <laughs> I'm not an expert there. I need to talk to their I need to talk to their customer service people. I apologize, my friends. That's all right. Uh, we know that somebody's at Paul's house now. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it, was my, it was my wife at the front door. <laughs> That's good too. All right. Uh, but yeah, so look at what you're trying to do. I mean, look for inspiration to others in terms of what's potentially possible, but focus on what you want to do and not necessarily well, what others have done. And I like when we get tactical. So what I would say is, you know, someone who's listening to all this is, oh, great, great, but I don't have any, you know, what are the real takeaways? So you've just yeah. given a takeaway now, which is great. But I'd also say another takeaway for sales is clearly think what, what realistically would I like to sell in the next year? What am I capable of doing if it's a one-man show? Or so let's say it's a small company. What are my expectations? Where am I going to get this growth? What am I willing to pay an individual to sell this? So let's say it's a huge margin. Let's say you're selling a service and it's all, you know, it's, you know, you've barely any office costs and you're, you know, 90% margin. Well, what's the commission you're willing to give that salesperson? Mm. If it's really low margin, what is the commission there, right? So you want to figure that out first. And what are your realistic expectations? Because mm -hmm. what I've also seen is some some owners of companies are great because they're selling themselves. So right. it's easy to sell it. You're you're the product. You're selling yourself. If someone else else is starting to sell you, like as a as a service, well, then you need to have a an adjustment and think. Well, how am I how am I going to do this? How does this move forward? So tactically speaking, you know, margins, um, profit margins. Uh, you know, how much you're hoping to sell. Is it realistic? Like you just said, look at your competition, look at what's going on out there. And I'm sure marketing wise, like what would you say as well, tactically speaking, what are the first things you should be doing when you're thinking of growing that team? Well, like I said, I, I mean, to me, it's like, you know, the first thing you need to accept is that marketing is content and, it, and you need to find oh, somebody who's going to help you put content out there. I think, you know, this idea that, and, yeah, and obviously, if you're small, you need, yes, you need somebody who's more of a jack of all trades and able to do a bit of everything. But this idea that we're going to grow by going to a whole bunch of trade shows 
and and whatnot is is on the marketing side of things is just not that relevant anymore. And the example I was giving early on of the mattress company, right? Like it's easy for the mattress to be like, well, we sell through retailers and so it's up to them to do the marketing. You know, like it's just, but then you look at people that are, yes, they go direct to consumer, but you know, I think there's just, uh, so to me, the first, first, first tactical hire is content, especially when we're a smaller team. Like I said, large teams are a little different. Um, but to me it would be, how can I get somebody who's yes, has Jack of all trades is able to help us set up the virtual webinar or whatever, but how can I need somebody who's going to help me put content out there and a lot of content out there. Okay. Good. All right. I think, Hey, this was good. I mean, anything else we want to add? I think we've said a lot. I think we're good. Thanks everybody. Thank you. <laughs> Have a great day. You too.